Bruce Newberry. The food dude. I'm Bobby Flay, and I'm dining out with Bruce Newberry. Music here on the Tastiest Talk Show on the radio is brought to you by Robert's Music, RI.com. Robert's Music, Robert's Musical Instruments. Rhode Island musicians know all about Robert's. And you know what? It is uh, just getting to be that time of the year. If Because uh, spring is around the corner. I know we're t- talking about snow and snowball and fat biking and skiing and all that. But musicians know the spring concerts are around the corner. So get your supplies. Get your instruments fixed. Professional musicians, too. Uh, check out Gig Maker at Robert's Music and Ukulele Circle the second Saturday of every month at 1030. So look for Robert's Music Rhode Island on Facebook. We're here at the Wayberry Inn. Just uh, a good investment in time, anytime. Maybe your investment in time is to educate yourself. And you're thinking about a next chapter, or if there's somebody that is thinking about and uh, looking around at colleges and things in the family, well, it is an exciting time to be in food from so many standpoints. And here's another one. We know so much about food. We know so much more about where our food comes from. Well, Johnson & Wales University is really taking some next steps to uh, bring this knowledge to a lot of people. And uh, Johnson & Wales, setting the trends, now is offering a degree program on sustainability and on food systems it's called a new bachelor of science degree in sustainable food systems and this is going to be really interesting and i think we'll we'll blaze a lot of trails here so joining me to talk about it is a professor from johnson and wales university in the college of culinary arts our friend chef brandon lewis chef nice to have Hi you there with us. how are you Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to be on your show, and I'm also excited. I'm sitting in the dean's office. Uh, I got to I got to leave my kitchen so you could hear me on the on the phone uh, while my students make lunch, and uh, so I'm excited to be in in this big office here. It's nice. Well, I'm so glad that we could uh, <laughs> we could get you into the dean's office and under under pleasant circumstances. But wait a minute before we start. <laughs> before we start, chef, what's for lunch? Oh, well, you know, I'm teaching international cuisine, um, and uh, my lab partner is a good friend of yours, uh, your pal, Chef Pal, Neith Pal. Oh, who gosh, I love in Providence for years. He, he wanted to make sure I gave you a name drop there. So, yes. <laughs> Well, uh, Neith Pal is one of my all-time favorites, and we have uh, talked so much about the dish that he used to make at Neith's, the Block Island lobster and the red curry and the coconut milk, and uh, I, I still remember to this day in that white bowl that he used to serve it in. Oh, you know what? He never made me that. that. <laughs> when well, you get back to, down to the kitchen, so what? What's for lunch today? Do you know? Well, uh, you know, uh, international. We on day today's day one of our segment, so we're actually doing Iberian Peninsula. So we're focusing on Morocco, Spain, and uh, Portugal. So nice. uh, we have quite a bit going on, and uh, they're gonna. There's a nice paella uh, in the works right now. 
Wow. How about that? You get to eat the homework. Yeah. That's really... Yeah. If you, well, if your show wasn't during this time, we could have you over one day. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to take a rain check. I'll bring the show over there, Brandon. That works. We'll have you at a chef's table. I like it. All right. Now I, I'm, I'm in. That'll, that sounds uh-huh. sounds terrific. So, of awesome. course, we're all about, and, and you know, Neat from the word go with his background and yours as well, are all about the uh, the careful sourcing, and we know so much more about food and ingredients, and the fancy word for that is sustainability. And uh, it's been really building for some time. I'm surprised that it took this long for a degree program in sustainable food systems to really come about. Tell us about how this came about. Well, you know, we, we actually were pretty proactive. We started back in 20, uh, 2011, we started a concentration called the Wellness and Sustainability Concentration, and the students loved it. Um, I, I was one of the faculty members, uh, one of the first teams there, and we put that together, and the, this, I, I think I had over probably over six or 700 students uh, go through it that I surveyed with overwhelming positive responses. And so when you get that kind of reaction from your student body, uh, you take it upstairs and you say, hey, this needs to be a degree program. And so we're here now and, uh, you know, we're looking to move into a, a leadership role uh, in this vector. We've, you know, the university has always been about sustainability and we practice it in our kitchens, but sustainability is more than just focusing on food waste. We're talking about, you know, social, economic and environmental um, components, about po- uh, public policy as well. So this is a, you know, big, uh, a big nut to crack. Well, what better place to do it than right here in our backyard in Rhode Island and in New England, where we really set the pace in sustainability, partly because I think we've had to, haven't we, because of our limits of of just space. We're not as big as in Iowa or Texas with rolling fields and all of this. But, I mean, we've been a leader in this kind of thing for some time, have we not, in New England? We have, and uh, you know, it's really a huge advantage for us. Proximity is is really you just hit the the nail on the head. Um, the the our partner farms in some of the classes. I teach one class called um, Sustainability in the Culinary Kitchen, and I take students to partner farms all over the state. And we actually cook at these farms, and we do service learning, and uh, we learn about where our food comes from and how it's grown, and we participate in that that practice. But we also cook there too, and so um, you know. Having that proximity, having those farmers with us and helping um, co-teach these these classes from the different perspectives. It's not just farmers, but it's also fishermen. It's like Jody King, our quahogger, um, and our oyster farms. You know, there's there's a lot of connections in our community, and it's all so close. It's unreal. Um, I can take students on these bus bus rides, and we can do it within class periods, you know? Wow. Right. And, you know, that's what Johnson Wales, we've Put our, you know, hung our hat on that for years. Um, but now it's really, it's really great to see how much of a focus uh, it's becoming in higher education. So, you know, we are hands-on. You know, every time our students come into the the classroom, they're not just um, lecturing and taking notes and doing homework. They're cooking food. They're preparing things. They're learning about, um, as I mentioned in um, some classes, like they're learning about a cuisine, and then they're coming in and actually cooking that cuisine. Um, in our new program, we have a, a course called Cooking for Resilient Foodways. 
and um, this is a this is a, a course that Chef Pal uh, is actually leading. And um, as you know, he's he comes from um, Southeast Asian heritage, and this course focuses on marginalized uh, communities um, in our area. And so we're bringing in community members to cook with us in, in the lab. And so you know, to that point, it's it kind of draws that all back in together. You know what I mean? This community enhanced piece of cooking. That's Chef Brandon Lewis on the faculty of Johnson & Wales University. And, uh, of course, the operative word being chef. He was steps from the kitchen. And we'll continue our chat with Chef Brandon Lewis and find out more about the food sustainability degree program Johnson & Wales is offering in our next hour. In the meantime, you want to check it all out, just go to jwu.edu. Easy enough. So our questions du jour are upon the social media. Food dude question du jour. Other than your mémère, who makes an authentic tartier? And if you have to ask what that is, well, <laughs> you know. And what food are you looking forward to for Super Bowl this weekend? And we have a whole bunch of suggestions here. And we will have many, many more here in the Dave's Marketplace Broadcast Bistro. And we are here at the Wayberry Inn. I have uh, so much more to uh, talk about here. We have more Valentine's Day menus. And uh, we have that menu for the Elegant Mountain Dinner that Chef Donna here at the Wayberry Inn is producing with a partnership of Otter Creek Brewing. And that is going to take place on February 22nd. So more details on that in uh, just a, a, a couple of minutes. And the um, actually, I'm supposed to do that now. So let me do that now. Hello. <laughs> Let's talk about the wonderful, elegant mountain dinner coming at the snowball. Oh, a wonderful idea. I tuned in just to hear that. Oh, good. February 22nd at Snowball in partnership with Snowball and Otter Creek Brewing and the Wayberry Inn. This is going to be a great night and it starts early. Yeah. Uh, February 22nd is, let's see, today's the first one and eight is seven, 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 eight, seven, 15. Uh, it's it's uh, a Saturday night. So how about that? So you can come and spend the day and have a great time and then just gather starting anytime after five for some appetizers. And those will include hush puppies with cranberry aioli or pork and wild mushroom tartlets, kind of a, a little cousin of the, of the uh, tortier. We, oui? yes. Those are just a couple of the apps. And then we're sitting down to dinner at six o'clock in the lodge. And our entree selections are applewood smoked beef brisket, with an Otter Creek Mountain Ale barbecue sauce or tiny mountain lager roasted game hen with honey glaze and a vegan entree for you, or vegetarian anyway, grilled portobello mushroom stack with roasted root vegetables, balsamic reduction, crispy fried leeks, and any of those or all of those will come with cabbage fennel slaw, and twice-baked potato. Now, that's the centerpiece of things here. We have wonderful dessert. We have a salad course. We have uh, another couple of appetizer 
options, each one paired with a great Otter Creek beer like Bonus Stage IPA, the Tiny Mountain Lager Mountain Ale, as you might suspect. And there are even a couple of, of, of brew selections, or there's a brew selection with dessert, and dessert has as the ingredients, one of its ingredients, the Imperial Porter. Yeah, as in Imperial Porter pumpkin cheesecake with ginger snap crust and maple cream. Oh, Chef Donna. So come on over, neighbors. It's going to be great. And uh, this is kind of the kickoff of what is hoped to be a regular series. And it's all to make the mountain one that skiers and non-skiers alike can enjoy. So hope to see you on February 22nd. So that would be uh, 1 and 8, 1 7 is 8, 7 is 15, 20 seconds, three weeks from today, February 22nd. Please call 802-388-4015 to reserve your space. $60 per person, including, including everything, food, beverage, tax, and gratuity. Wow. There's a deal for you. So right there. It's really interesting. I, I actually may put this up as a... Um, social media question one of these days and uh, ask if you will go to or you go to these types of dinners and things without knowing the menu. I just think it's terribly interesting. Anyway, uh, we are here in the Dave's Marketplace Broadcast Bistro, broadcasting live from the Wayberry Inn, a great investment in time. I am Jacques Pepin, uh, here from uh, Connecticut, and I'm here dining out with the Bruce Newberry. How about 30 seconds at the Burger Bar? I have a taste of the Burger Bar. Ben Newberry and I were hanging out there last night and had the Buffalo Blue Burger with the Buffalo Sauce and the Amazing Blue and uh, the Amazing Beef and the Amazing Bakery Bun. And boy, we get in there just in time. All right, so here we are. It's Bruce Newberry with Ted Carusas, but we can't call it a TED Talk. And we're here at the Blue Play Diner. So the news of the day on Restaurant Row continues to be that times are changing and we've got some iconic restaurant nameplates and concepts that are closing their doors. The big announcement a week and a half, two weeks ago, that the top of the hub was going to close in Boston. Yeah, it is tough. So uh, we're really dating ourselves when we actually know what some of these restaurants that we're going to talk about, they were around for years and years and very popular. But like anything else, they cycle, they'll, they'll go up and down and they'll, you know, popularity will rise to meteoric heights and then it'll wane over time. Uh, so the top of the hub, uh, and what do they think? They're turning into just an observatory. They think they're going to do something high concept with the observatory, but the focus is not going to be on food. So it's probably not going to be a restaurant. Right, probably not. Uh, um, so the thing of it is with places like that, and if you think about top of the hub, look look what an iconic, almost a an art form that that became. Now, there were lots and lots of places that by flattering imitation said, oh, we're the top of wherever. Top of Newport, top of the Bay, top right. of this, top they of that. Copied that, right? Because they were exploiting their position as a high view, as, with a view. And, and being top of, you're also assuming that they're the best of. And so, right. you know, there's 
a certain parody that goes along with it. Sure. So then we get emotionally distressed and we really get sad and emotional when these things happen, When the particularly when these restaurants close up. I mean, there's a certain amount of nostalgia when a store closes, but it's even more of an emotional tug when a restaurant closes its doors because it meant a lot more to us. Yeah, well, unless you're a purely utilitarian, like a McDonald's or, or one of those fast food places, it's you're you're in an experiential place, right? And the, the more top of or best of that place was, the higher the likelihood that you spent some of your life's bigger moments there. That's birthday, an anniversary, a wedding, uh, you know, a rehearsal dinner, something that actually had meaning more than just the food. Yes, the food was good, meaning it didn't detract from the experience and it's the same thing, but the sharing of who you were with and what you were doing and those emotional connections are what people remember. Like, I I must be, I'm going to, full disclosure, uh, an iconic restaurant that was in my family for years was the Seafair Inn. Yes. And before Providence and Newport were destination restaurant places, little old Seafair in the middle of Portsmouth, Rhode Island was the place to go. And to this day, I'll go and I'll see some old timers, some fr- family friends, people who've passed away. And unfortunately, when you look at their, um, so now that closed about 10 years ago, the Seafair, right? And it's now been a condo uh, development. But I'll go to like these wakes or the funeral and you see these pictures and you start to realize, my God, how many of them are, are in at the restaurant that, that you grew were, up in. I grew up in and that they were there and I grew up with them and the customers could come into the restaurant I'd see them when I was nine all the way up to when I was 25 but my point being I think that's why we get saddened when we hear the news as a guest or a patron as a business owner you say to yourself how could that have happened to such an institution that was there for so many years and now all of a sudden it's gone could it happen to me right and then you say to yourself well why would it happen or why wouldn't it happen it's all about knowing who you are as a person and who you're not and the same thing goes with your business or your corporation or your your whatever entity it is it is its own thing and it sh- it and the people in it should know what they are and what they're not what do i mean by that uh, you know a bar that also serves breakfast does it make sense? Maybe. Maybe after they, the natural pivot would be after that you close the bar down, you open up a buffet. Breakfast. That's a natural. Already in the building. But to have a breakfast be uh, something that is not associated, doesn't have anything to do with a bar, it, it's an oddball, right? I mean, so they're natural pivots. Uh, you know, pasta and pizza. Um, uh, brunch and breakfast. Um, uh, you know, a quick lunch service type of place. Uh, you know, you don't want to be waiting there 40 minutes, right? I mean, you want to in and out. A bakery that serves sandwiches. A bakery that serves sandwiches. Or a bakery that serves coffee with its baked goods. All those are natural progressions. They know what business they're in. But go to a Dunkin' Donuts at 10 o'clock at night and tell me what you see. Who's going to have coffee before they go on a, unless they unless before they go to bed unless they go into the third watch third right. shift right so knowing what you what you are and what you aren't is very important and the other thing is we said a little bit about pivoting making sure you know where the market is going so you don't get left behind 
we and I think you said it very well we never want to say no uh, people in the hospitality business by design it's a fatal flaw we never ever want to say no because we are in this business to please people and the general public knows it so sometimes unfairly they put you in a predicament where you will say yes to something that you might not be very good at doing but you don't want to say no and that risk over time can really dilute your brand it can give you false impressions you might be successful once or twice but is that really where the market is so changing is important or I should say keeping up with the changes in the marketplace are important but sometimes knowing where not to change is also important and um, you know there are some great restaurants that have not pivoted they're still the same and they have been the same for years and generations nice to be with you here in the broadcast bistro food dude Bruce Newberry the big voice of southern Vermont AM 1370 WBTN wait until you get a look at this salad man oh man I am going to have a clear conscience when I tackle the the Super Bowl bash tomorrow. I don't even know what we're having, but uh, wow, this salad is amazing with the mescaline greens and the caracara oranges and the jicama, spice nuts, and uh, some grilled chicken right there for a bit of protein. Mmm. Let me get photographing, and we have to get back to our chat with Chef Brandon Lewis at Johnson & Wales University. Be having those farmers with us and helping um, co-teach these these classes from the different perspectives. It's not just farmers, but it's also fishermen. It's like Jody King, our quahogger, um, and our oyster farms. You know, there's there's a lot of connections in our community, and it's all so close. It's unreal. Um, I can take students on these bus bus rides, and we can do it within class periods, you know. Wow. Advantage Rhode Island, everything being so close. (laughs) And that really speaks to kind of a modern theory of education, not only in college, but uh, coming up younger and and certainly older, is that the students want the experience, don't they? They want the experiential education. Right. And, you know, that's what Johnson Wales, we've put our you know hung our hat on that for years um but now it's really it's really great to see how much of a focus uh, it's becoming in higher education so you know we are hands-on you know every time our students come into the the classroom they're not just um lecturing and taking notes and doing homework they're cooking food they're preparing things they're learning about um as i mentioned in um some classes like they're learning about a cuisine and then they're coming in and actually cooking that cuisine um in our new program we have a, a course called cooking for resilient foodways and um, this is a this is a, a course that Chef Pal uh, is actually leading. And um, as you know, he's he comes from um, Southeast Asian heritage, and this course focuses on marginalized uh, communities um, in our area. And so we're bringing in community members to cook with us in in the lab. And so you know, to that point, it's it kind of draws that all back in together. You know what I mean? This community enhanced piece of cooking. Sure. When we talk about sustainable food systems and the fact that Johnson & Wales is offering a four-year program in sustainable food systems, does that mean, I mean, we, we, we may not know exactly what that means. Does it mean organic? Does it mean uh, a, a local? Uh, some of these other words that are pretty common in food usage and in kitchens today. 
part of what it means is having a conversation about those. Um, we, we work with organic farms uh, here in Rhode Island. We also work with farms that consider themselves responsibly grown um, because uh, for various reasons, maybe it's the cost, maybe it's the operational fee or just simply logistics, um, they, they don't go under an organic flag. And so we also have hydroponic growers. Hydroponic growers can't have an organic label, but uh, at the same time, they put out some of the freshest, best products in, right. in our local area. So um, having conversations about that and educating our students before they be, you know, are in these roles and these responsibilities where they're making decisions, um, they need to understand that landscape and, and those conversations. And so it's, it's not that we so much preach one way or the other. We talk about what those, uh, what those different methods are and the issues that surround them. And then the students come up with their own solutions and their own ways to go about addressing them. Talking with Chef uh, Brandon Lewis about this new four-year sustainable food systems degree program that Johnson Wales University is uh, just announcing here. I'm thinking, Brandon, that this may be kind of a throwback. Wasn't wouldn't this have been taught way, 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 way back? Well, I, I would say that. I mean, if you if you mean. Should we have been teaching this, and not just us, but everyone in higher education, you know, years ago? Then, of course, because um, this, as as you know, uh, we basically all over the food system are reeling from the age of globalization, sure. and and there's great prosperity with that, but there's also been some some uh, some some issues. And we need to look at those those issues and address them. There's ways to, you know, still build an economy, but do it sustainably without hurting our environment, our resources, or our food products. And our, um, you know, obviously our environment is tied to where our food products come from. I think and what so I'm asking, though, I think, Chef, what I'm asking is, wouldn't this have been taught certainly by someone like an Alice Waters, who really came up in the early 1970s, but even going back to an Escoffier, who, even though you had the finest school of cooking in Paris in the day, weren't you limited in in what your ingredients were? And didn't you have to practice these these systems? They just didn't have names? Well, yeah, I, I would say that that was everyday cooking back then. Yeah. Um, I, I, did, I got a lot of my uh, professional experience working in England, and everything there is local because they're on an island, a big island, but they're on an island. So um, being it, it's similar, and it's sort of a good al- uh, allegory to what we're doing here in Rhode Island. We're not on an island, but we sure are close. And so a lot of our chefs, if you look at you know New Rivers and you look at uh, Persimmons, we're using local products. Um, but we don't necessarily always have to put it up on a big pedestal because it's how we normally operate. But in other places, you don't necessarily see this. And this is where we need to draw attention to it and start regionalizing our food system uh, like it used to be. And so, you know, back then, I would say the answer is uh, it, it was like that automatically. Uh, and then do the, you know, the invention of refrigeration and transportation post-World War One. Uh, I'm sorry, World War Two. Uh, you started to see this this industrial age start to take place. Sure, and the technology has always been there, and we should be able to embrace it. But uh, it definitely, I hear what you're saying. What an exciting time to be a culinary student and to uh, really bring culin- culinarism into this idea that we all really have to pay attention to sustainable food systems. It's a four-year degree. It is being offered by Johnson & Wales University. Chef Brandon Lewis, one of the faculty members, and uh, developing this curriculum. Very, very exciting. How can we find out more? 
Oh, well, I think you could check out our website. You could go to jw.edu, um, and uh, you could check out our new bachelor's in sustainable food systems there. And um, it's, it's pretty exciting. I, I, I implore you to check it out. <laughs> you bet. Hey, so great to talk to you. I'm going to take you up on your invitation. We'll make this happen one of these days. We'll show up there for lunch. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely invite you. We'll do a little farm-to-table uh, dinner. That's what a, lo- a lot of our classes are doing. And uh, we'll do it right in the lab. It'll be a chef's table sourced locally, and we'll have you there with the farmer, and uh, we'll have a conversation. I'm in. All right, <laughs> Chef. Thank All you right. so very, very much. Uh, great, great thank pleasure. You so and uh, thanks to everybody at JWU. And uh, please give my best regards to Chef Nee at Paul. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. I'll get back to the kitchen now. All right, my friend, Chef Brandon Lewis. Thanks very, very much. Wow. Chef Brandon Lewis. More at jwu.edu. For the Snow Bowl Elegant Mountain Dinner on the 22nd, call and make a reservation, 802-388-4015. For the brunch tomorrow at Snow Bowl, just head on up to Snow Bowl anytime from 9 to 11. Just walk right in and have an amazing brunch. It is the... Wayberry Inn brunch menu with Chef Donna's incredible Benedicts and omelets and uh, breakfast cooked to order for you, including that stuffed French toast and all at beautiful Snowball. What a view and what a great time. So that's all morning tomorrow, sort of a pregame for the big game here in the uh, broadcast bistro. Uh, Next week, we're at the Blue Plate Diner in Middletown, Rhode Island. And by the way, if you uh, particularly enjoy the descriptions and the way that I talk about these restaurants, we can do the same for you. Reach out Bruce at brucenewberry.com, B-R-U-C-E-N-E-W-B-U-R-Y. And uh, just enough time to tell you in the minute or so that I have left, that uh, you can get those pizzas from Imbriglio's right next to Sardella's. All of the authentic Neapolitan pizzas you need for your Super Bowl party for $9.50, any way you like them. Just call 849-6312. Panera, big food for the big game. Order up sandwiches or pastries for your big game party, and you can have them delivered. PaneraBread.com. Cozy comfort food at the Blue Plate Diner. That is where we will be next weekend in the Dave's Marketplace Broadcast Bistro. And my thanks to everyone here at my second home, the Wayberry Inn, up here in Vermont, and uh, waybearyinn.com if you want to have a look at what I've been talking about all morning long, or just visit the Bruce Newberry Facebook fan page. I am your food dude, and thanks for dining out with me. And as always, don't forget to try the house dressing. Bruce Newberry. The food dude.